July 5th, 2023. This morning's class is donated in loving memory of Yosef Ben Rivka, Joseph Boganim, Alaf HaShalom, by Eli and Fanny Boganim and family. We're in Masechet Beta and Lamid Bet Amud Aleph. If you count from the top of the Amud downward, it's six lines down, second word on the line. Says the Gemara, Hamane. It's really in the middle of a sentence. Ela Sefa Kashia, Hamane Rabbi Nehemiahi. Now, if you recall very briefly, the context is we're dealing with uh, this concept, this idea of stira, of, uh, of dismantling. And the statement in turn in this Biraita specifically is when it comes to Shabbat versus Yom Tov, there are particular halachot with regards to what was called Hotamot Shebakarka. It was that latch door leading into an underground cavity. But then most important for us today was the sefa, the final words of the, of the Biraita. Final words of the Biraita talked about not when you're dealing with an under, underground area, but you're dealing with a keli, you're dealing with a chest of some sort, you're dealing with something which is tied together, the opening to it, but it's not attached to a structure. It's not an underground uh, living area or even a place that you can go and sit. It's rather a keli, it's a utensil. In that circumstance, our understanding until now was that we're going to maintain en stira ubinyan bekelim. When it comes to utensil, we don't imagine and we don't understand the concept of, or these isurim of binyan, of, of building a structure, or of stira, of dismantling a structure as being applicable. If it is applicable, so then we'd imagine as well it would be identical to Shabbat and Yom Tov. And yet, the statement over here in the Sefa of the Beraita went as follows. It said that, When it comes to a utensil, and I'm looking to take off that uh, entrance door to it, uh, what I can do on Shabbat is I can untie it, the tying is not seen as something which was permanent, and as a result, it's not melechet matir. You're not uh, undoing a permanent knot. However, what you're not allowed to do on Shabbat is to cut it, uh, nor are you allowed to detach it. That would be considered um, stira. That would be considered taking it down. On Yom Tob, in contrast, and we're going to conclude the beraita with this, on Yom Tob, in contrast, it's all permitted. You're allowed to untie, you're allowed to cut, you're allowed to detach. Now the question will be how we understand those final words. We couldn't and don't understand how when it comes to a utensil, we're talking at all about melechet soter. We're not talking about binyan and stira, the, man, the putting together and the dismantling when it comes to a keli. As a result, that's what the Gemara ended its conversation. It was in the context of talking about Shemuel's opinion, how he squares with this beraita. But for our purposes, we just want to figure out those final words in the beraita. And that's what these words mean. Hamane, who's the author of those words? Who would maintain that even when it comes to a utensil, you have an isur of some sort or another, a prohibition of cutting it off, of, dis- of, of disattaching it. Why should that be a problem? It's a utensil. Said the Gemara, if you recall, Rabbi Nehemiahi, De'amar kol ha-kelim en nitalin ela derech tashmishan. The suggestion of the Gemara is that those final words, and maybe the whole Beraita really accords specifically with the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah, which means to say, Let's state this clearly. We are not, and we're not dealing with a melacha over here. Uh, When it comes to detaching, again, the rope or the string which is connecting this door to the utensil uh, that you'd open up, 
detaching or cutting it off, severing it, that's not a milacha. Because it's made to be cut off? Because it's made to be detached? No, because it's a utensil. It's the reason utensil. you're allowed to untie it is because it's made to be untied. The reason you're allowed to detach it is because we don't talk about, as I prefaced, we don't talk about such melachot when it comes to kelim. So why is it asur then? But we said it's asur. I was suggesting it goes like Rabbi Nehemiah. Rabbi Nehemiah is not talking about melacha, not talking about biblical violations, talking about rabbinic violations, mukseh. Says Rabbi Nehemiah, you can't use any utensil under any circumstance, any instrument, any, anything otherwise, unless it's for the expressed and primary use of that utensil. And the examples we gave yesterday, but we can give this example very clearly is, if there's a knife, I don't and shouldn't, at least this type of knife that we're talking about, look at it and say, it's used to cut ropes. It's not what it's used for, it's used for food. Maybe it's used for wood, I don't know, but it's not used for cutting ropes. You're picking up that utensil, that's the Isur over here. The Isur specifically mentioned is a rabbinic violation. You're not allowed to handle that utensil. By extension, Rabbi Nehemiah, although it's not our issue, would say, and he does elsewhere, you can't use a spoon to do whatever you want with it. You can use a spoon to ladle some uh, food into your mouth or into your utensil. By extension, Rabbi Nehemiah would tell you any and all of these circumstances. It means that in this context, the only reason this is being mentioned, says the Gemara in this Beraita, is because of an issue of mukseh, for that minority opinion, Rabbi Nehemiah. Yes, Al? What about the butcher's cleaver to cut the wood? By extension, according to Rabbi Nehemiah, would be Asura as well. All, Rabbi Nehemiah, uh, you'd have to have the, uh, the specific uh, cutting utensil for wood. And it was Okay, so then you'd need to find one which satisfies it according to the Binahamya, or again, getting into the nitty gritty on this, whom we're not going to follow. But if you're in the Binahamya's Midrash, his home, he'd have to find the exact specific one that you could use. That's the Binahamya's opinion, but again, it's being mentioned over here as you were misled, says the Gemara. You thought, for good reason, we were talking about Melacha. We were talking about the fact that you can't cut it off. Well, that's soter. You thought you can't detach it to be mafkia, to be hotech, uh, because that's a melechet setira, not the issue. The issue was a rabbin hamiyah issue. It was a side issue, but a significant one. Again, says the Gemara, hamane rabbin hamiyahi. De amar kol hakelim en nitalin, tiltul, again, is our operative word when we talk about mukseh. The word tiltul means to carry, and in the context of mukseh, anytime you see that word tiltul, you know it, that's the trigger word we're dealing with mukseh. Ela derech. Tashmishan. They can only be used, they can only be carried in the way of their regular usage. Okay, that was, again, at the end of class, we mentioned this yesterday, but now challenges the Gemara. Questions the Gemara, well, it's a very interesting, appropriate answer, we just don't understand the technicalities. The final words of this Beraita, the Sefa of the Beraita, distinguished, it differentiated between Shabbat and Yom Tov. And so when it comes to Shabbat, and again, I'm dealing with this utensil which has the cover on it, and it's tied together on Shabbat, what I can do is I can untie, but I can't cut and I can't detach. That's on Shabbat. On Yom Tov, go for it. You can untie, you could detach, you could cut. Well, one second, Bina Hamyah. Bin Hamiyah says it's Mukseh. Why would you distinguish? Why would you dif- differentiate between Shabbat and Yom Tov? Does Rabbin Hamiyah really differentiate? Is he more lenient when it comes to, sh- to Yom Tov as opposed to Shabbat? Again, says the Gemara, if 
your argument is that we're following the opinion of Bina Hamya, again, Bina Hamya being that opinion who maintains that Kol Hakelim Enitalin Ela Derech Tashmishan, my Irya Shabbat. Why is the circumstance, why did it take place, so to speak, in our Beraita on Shabbat? Afilu Yom Tob Nameh, Nameh means as well, it should be Yom Tob, that should be prohibited. Vechitema, suggests the Gemara, Vechitema means maybe you'll say, perhaps you'll, you'll suggest, Shanya Leder Binehamya bin Shevut Shabbat le Shevut Yom Tob. Perhaps Binehamya, and maybe logically so, differentiates. Well, Shanya, Shoneh, means to be different. He distinguishes, he says, when it comes to Shabbat, that's when I have my halakha. When it comes to Yom Tov, I'm more lenient. What would be the rationale? As, although, uh, Jared will tell us, this would run counter to the logic we saw in the Bet of Amasechet, but again, uh, maybe the Bnei Hamya has a different logic as we discussed yesterday. It's open to interpretation over here. When it comes to Shabbat, a person who does melacha is liable to skila, are liable to the highest of the death penalties. When it comes to Yom Tov, it's a lot lower in severity. It's not that it's, what's that? Maybe on, it's explicit in the Beraita, you can cut and detach. That's explicit in the Beraita. Uh, the question is why? Uh, so maybe we're suggesting, according to Nehemiah, since the violation, or rather the punishment on Yom Tov, is less severe, he understood the rabbinic prohibition and restriction is less severe as well. It wouldn't apply on Yom Tov. It would only specifically and particularly apply on Shabbat. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. It'll stand ground unless... This mukseh, this mukseh, this mukseh, this mukseh, this high-level mukseh of Rabbi Nehemia and Hakelim Nitalin El Derech Tashmishan would only apply on Yom on Shabbat, not on Yom Tov. Not the general mukseh, not the nolad mukseh, not the mukseh Mehamat Hisalon Kis mukseh Mehamat Yisrael, not all that sort. This one, which is, I mean, this is this is a pretty significant one. You, you have to be very careful. Okay, he has to use for itself. Yes. If I had primary... I love the way you say his name, yeah? So it no, brings me back to my yeshiva days, Rabbi Nechemia, no, yeah? Could I change the use of the knife just with my dot before... According to Rabbi Nechemia. So no, it's just... No, you're going based on... It's a food knife, no matter what my dot had been ashmashot before... To the best of my knowledge. To the best of my knowledge. Again, I'm not proficient in Rabbi Nechemia. We don't follow him. Best of my knowledge, he goes based on... Derech Tashmisho means Avrov B'nai Adam. You're not... Specific, in the, I think, I think, that's, that's a good question. Uh, is it really so? Uh, do we really distinguish when it comes to Rabbi Hamya? Do we really say it's different between Shabbat and Yom Tov? And what the Gemara now will do, and just map it out before we read it inside, is to bring evidence, bring a re'aya, proof that Rabbi Hamya does not distinguish. Well, if he doesn't distinguish, it means it should be asur, both on Shabbat and even on Yom Tov, which means we're back to square one because in the Biraita we distinguish. You're going to tell me it's Rabbi Nehemia because of this particular opinion of primary usage, but Rabbi Nehemia doesn't distinguish. That's what we're about to prove. And in turn, we're going to have to question it. I'll, I'll blow the ending for you. The Gemara will now bring proof for that. And the Gemara's final line, just so we're not surprised by it, it doesn't take too much time to develop when we get there. The Gemara will say two versions of Rabbi Nehemia. Uh, what does that mean? Torah Shabbat one heard it this way, one heard it another way. Alternatively, one adapted it, 
one way and the other one adapted another way. We're dealing with Rabbi Nehemiah's opinion in theory. One opinion in the Biraita. Neither one of the Biraita are going to mention his name explicitly. One of them is an ad- adaptation which applies both to Shabbat and Yom Tov. That's going to be this next one. And the first one will apply it specifically to Shabbat and not to Yom Tov. That's what we have ahead of us in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, does, uh, does he really differentiate? Does Rabbi Nehemiah really uh, uh, have a leniency when it comes to Shabbat and the stri- excuse me, Yom Tov, the stringency only by Shabbat? The Hatane Hada, don't we have on the one hand a Beraita? Hada means one. In other words, one Beraita. Tane means a Beraita over here. Masikin Kelim. Ve'en Masikin, Masikin Beshivre Kelim. We're going to have three separate Beraitot over here, which will, uh, ironically, if you've been you know, keeping track and keeping score at home, we'll be able to decipher these three Beraitot, each of which will have a different opinion than the other. And each of us will be able to say, I know who that one is, and that one, and that one. Uh, you'll, you'll be surprised by how much you know already. Anyway, so it says that masikin, lehasik, means to light a fire. You're allowed to, on Yom Tob, clearly we're talking about Yom Tob. Why are we talking about Yom Tob? Lighting a fire would only, that's right, so clearly, and that's the most important part for our purposes. It means the laws we're about to read are not about Shabbat, they're about Yom Tob. Masikin bekelim ve'en masikin beshivre kelim. A keli means a utensil, and I have some wooden utensil, I imagine, maybe even earthenware if it helps a fire. And what I want to do is I need to, based on circumstance, based on situation, use that in order to ignite or to continue the fire that I have lit. Uh, what's, what's the halakha in such a circumstance? If it's kelim, it's permitted. Why is it permitted? It's not mukseh. It's a keli. It was, it was set aside for nothing before Yom Tov. It is a utensil which can and would be used. If it's shivre kelim, which means it's broken utensils, that's mukseh, that's nolat, that's a circle. You'd imagine the opposite with regards to what you would want to use, Eli. But entering into the holiday, listen to this, entering into the holiday, what was in your mind? In your mind, you weren't thinking about broken. The broken didn't exist. That's called nolad. Keep in mind, keep mukseh on the side. Nolad means the item may have been permitted entering the day but not in its current state. Keyword, no Keyword, no love. We talked about it on the bed. Well, the the which is interesting because as a keli, it was still, I could have thrown my keli in the fire. Hence the concept. No lad. No, you bring us back to conversations from the bed. No lad. The Gemara said, even if you maintain like Rabbi Shimon that there's no Mukseh on Yom Tov, you'll still agree there's no Lad. Why is no Lad a higher level is what you're asking effectively in terms of severity? The concept is, even though I had in mind this, this, these broken shards, did not exist. That in and of itself is a problem. So the statement in, in turn initially is, Masikin bekelim ben masikin beshivre kelim. Next statement, Vitanya idach, masikin ben bekelim ben beshivre kelim. Next opinion is that you're allowed to ignite the fire or use these uh, utensils for the fire, whether it's full utensils or broken utensils. Let's pause for a second. Blatant contradiction. How can we explain this contradiction? Who's each of these opinions? We, can, we know this already. Rabbi Shimon is our opinion when it comes to Mukseh, who's lenient, and Rabbi Uda is the stringent opinion. So we can suggest in turn that the first Beraita follows Rabbi Uda, where he says Nolad will be an issue. The second Beraita will follow Rabbi Shimon. Again, we had discussions about this at the beginning of the Masech, maybe even Rabbi Shimon has Nolad, but for our purposes right now, that's how we're going to go with this. That's how we'll distinguish. We, we know these. Last Beraita, can you guess where we're going in our last Beraita? It's the third of the permutation. The Tanya Idaf, En Masikin Lo Bekelim, 
You can't use the full utensils, nor the utensils which broke on Yom Tov. Whose opinion would that follow? It's not going to be a Rabbi Kelim are not Mukse. It's a Keli, it's a utensil. That's going to be Rabbi Nehemiah, that you could only use the utensil for its primary usage. So we have three separate Beraitot, each uh, on our spectrum of opinions with regards to using utensils or broken utensils on Yom Tov. One permits all, Rabbi Shimon. One permits the full utensils, not the ones which broke on Yom Tov, Rabbi Huda. One prohibits all, Rabbi Nehemiah. Why Rabbi Nehemiah? He says you could only use it for its express purpose. What are we dealing with in these Beraitot? We're talking about a fire. Is a fire permitted on Shabbat? Of course it's not on Shabbat. It's got to be on Yom Tov. It means that the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah is being applied even to Yom Tov. And with that, we'll read it in the Gemara in just a second. The Gemara now counters what we suggested a moment ago. A moment ago, we said, as we started the class, we said, oh, one second. You're telling me that Beraitai is, is, is providing, is presenting the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah. Why are you talking about Shabbat specifically where uh, he's telling me that I can't use this utensil because it's a specific utensil, the rope uh, being cut with the knife on Shabbat, but not on Yom Tov. Everybody agrees on Shabbat, on Shabbat, I'll explain to you why. Not because of Mukseh on Shabbat. No, no, on Shabbat, we're talking about the night. We're back to the original. On Shabbat, because of Melechet Mati, Melechet Soter. As says the Gemara, okay, Umishane, and we answered, Lakashia, there's no contradiction. Harbi Huda, Harbi Shimon, Harbi Nehemia. Again, that's exactly as we just broke up these three separate beraitot, each opinion on the spectrum, and I believe we understand that and we've comprehended it, but it leaves us with a question. Question, question, okay, who do we follow? Important question as well, but if it leaves us with a question right now, we have blatant contradiction. We don't understand. The whole class began with a statement in the Beraita. It was a strange statement. The Beraita said, when it comes to Shabbat and you have this rope, which is tying up something on the utensil, this hotemet shebakeli. Oh, what you can do is you can untie it, but you can't cut it and you cannot detach it. All right, why? Oh, it's melachan Shabbat. All right, when it comes to Yom Tov, it's permitted to do any of those actions. Oh, so what's the difference between those? I don't understand. If, it's, if the concept is I don't have melechet soter on a utensil, so then it should apply equally to Shabbat and Yom Tov. Why are we saying on Shabbat it's Asur? So we suggest that it's a peculiar one-time uh, one opinion, Rabbi Nehemiah. I got it. So Rabbi Nehemiah says you can only use the utensil for its express purpose. All right, that, that being the case, I, I kind of understand it now, but then why is it permitted on Yom Tov? Rabbi Nehemiah should apply to Yom Tov. No, maybe he distinguishes. He says, Shabbat's more hamur. No, you can't say that. We have three beraitot, and the third of which we can only explain based on the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah. He applies his opinion. Let's do it with the spoon. Let's do it with a knife. Let's in turn do it with our issue specifically. Again, with that knife, it should apply on Yom Tov as well. If he said it about masikin kelim, about lighting items for a fire, clearly he's talking about Yom Tov answers the Gemara. We're dealing with two Tanaim, two authors of Mishnayot. Over here, Beraitot. The Aliba, Lev, of course, means the heart of, but when the Gemara uses Aliba, it means on the heart of, it means with the opinion of. Aliba means according to the opinion of. We're dealing with two separate Beraitot each of which is either adapting or presenting the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah according to its 
uh, understanding or, or tradition with regards to it. Our first one, the one we began the class with, the one of Shemuel, he distinguishes between Shabbat and Yom Tov. The final one that we just saw, the third of those three Beraitot, says that they're the same. Uh, that's what we have with regards to the conclusion of this Gemara. Um, you see what the Gemara did do for us at the very least, even if we didn't per se have bottom lines with regards to opinions, with regards to everything. We had a lot developed over here that will, I, I, but I, what I'm saying is we had a lot developed furthermore with regards to these melachot. We already understood a lot more about mukse. We got into some of the major building blocks with regards to the melacha of soter. This Gemara and this Mishnah is quoted in many circumstances in halachic conversations with regards to trying to understand what does it mean to have melechet setira. It's a small sugya, but it's a significant one. As, uh, as, as hopefully so will be addressed. Today, do not have, uh, we d- we do not, we do not go like Rabbi Nehemiah and we go in Sinaubinyan Bekelim. Yeah. All right, so let's see the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah now brings us into another issue. And for many, it might feel even more familiar. Well, for one reason or another, the, this sugya will be, in terms of halakha al-ma'aseh, a little bit more. Um, relevant, even though that past one is, but you'll, you'll, you'll see quickly why. This next sugya is going to deal with, um, and the Mishnah, and in turn, much of the Gemara, the Melacha of Makebe Patish. Makebe Patish, of course, meaning, meaning literally, uh, hitting with a hammer. It's the final act in the production of something. And that's Asur, it's one of the 39 Melachot, the final act, the final uh, knocking in of a nail into the, the finishing the utensil, that's a Melacha. It's hard to define under what circumstance, what situation. Yesterday we talked about tags in that type of context. Uh, that's the type of conversation you have to have with regards to testing it out. What sorts of examples does the Gemara give? How do you develop the fundamentals of what does it mean to be Makeb Patish? Says the Mishnah, in Pohatin etaner, shehu keli. So the first halacha over here is in Pohatin etaner. Well, literally, the word lifhot means to make smaller, or to make less. Uh, what are we talking about? Ner. Now, first and foremost, ner, whenever the Mishnah or the Gemara, generally speaking, cited, it's not talking per se about the candle. It's talking about the utensil which houses the, the candle. It's the, uh, it's the small vessel underneath, if you imagine what it looks. Ah, I guess candle holder today, but really it was once upon a time. It held, it was the, the smaller lantern thing, which was made of clay, which held the oil in it, right? Uh, so that's what we're dealing with. So what does it mean? Pohatine Taner, Rashi. And Pohatine you take one of the quote-unquote eggs. Now it's not an actual egg. It's an egg of a yoser. It's an egg of someone who crafted some clay. You took the clay and it looks like an egg. Now what are you doing with it? You're taking your fist, egrofo, and you're pushing it into it. By so doing, you're making a hole in it or you're making a cavity in it so that you can now collect oil. As says the Mishnah, in pohatin, we're going to work with Rashi for a second. In pohatin etaner keli, by sticking your fist into it and giving it the area to collect oil, that made the keli. Is he making like a pot, like a pottery? There's a, there is a pottery. There's a, a earthenware clay item. Yeah. It looks like an egg. Maybe a little bit bigger than that, right? And you suck up to see eggs. It's certainly soft. You're sticking your fist into it and you're turning it into a usable utensil. Keep in mind. Are you making it deeper or are you 
Absolutely. You're giving it any depth. It had no depth. It was round or oval. Play though, you stick your finger into it. Indeed. So is there a difference if it was already deep? Already, uh, sure. If it was already a cavity, then you already do it. No, but you fixed it. You have to make a, make a well, like hole. Like fantastic. Okay. What's that? Why would I think this is okay? Why are we in Mishnah? Oh, that's that's a wonderful question. Uh, let me ask you a question. I, I we have, we don't really deal with clay items all that often, but we didn't talk about hardening this item, did we? The Gemara will get us into a conversation. We're talking about before, or after. You have to harden it afterwards, don't you? You use it for other things as well. This is the first step in that process. Oh, so, uh, so Sapuka, now you're asking another question. You're not asking that. So Tosafot's question on Rashi goes in a different direction. Tosafot asks on Rashi, says, forget about the final action. You shouldn't be involved in this at all. Even the beginning actions would be Asur. So according to Rashi's interpretation that you took the item, you stuck your finger, it's not because per se it's makeb patish because you finished it up. You couldn't be involved in this in any way, which I think is really what you're asking. Tosafot on the left-hand side. And so instead of calling it betzim, Tosafot calls it golmim, the golem. We've seen this word in the Gemara. Golem, generally speaking, people imagine is the golem of the Maral Prague or something like that, right? In other words, it's something that's not fashioned. It's something that doesn't have its full craftsmanship craftsmanship done to it. So it's the same idea as the Betzim Rashi. So he took the piece of clay. The problem is, you're doing Makeb uh, Patish, you're making a keli. Says Tosafot Vetema. I have a question. It's, it's a wonder. Imken Peshita de Asur. The words of Jared. It's simple that it's Asur. gamur. Even if you're not doing and finishing the doing the final steps on this keli on this utensil, You're not even allowed to begin the keli. Now, the next question of Tosafot is dependent upon the reading of the Gemara. Let's for a moment skip that next question of Tosafot, but uh, run your finger down just a few lines over here until Tosafot gives us their approach to this matter. So they have a ve'od kasheh, just run down a little bit. So if you look in the narrow lines in Tosafot, four lines down, uh, the middle of the line, therefore it would appear to explain, uh, to, to, to explain the Gemara, Explains to us, I thought they used to, before the, quote, cooking or baking of the uh, utensil, of the clay, before you put it into the oven, what would they place in it? Kash. Uh, what's kash? It's a hay or straw. Or some other item, dry item. They would place some hard and dry items inside so that when you put it into the oven in order for it to bake and harden, the walls would not crumble in. Okay, what's that, what's that doing for us? When it's finished baking in the oven, the initial stages, they would then take out that straw from inside of it. So the suggestion of Tosafot is alternatively, Jared. Yes, Rashi, of course that's Asur. You wouldn't be able to start it, begin it, and nothing would be permitted. You're doing utensil over there. Over here, the utensil, for all intents and purposes, is done. It was done without your doing and without your involvement. You're not really finishing anything. The only thing you're doing is you're taking out the items which were inside of it. Now, was it small? 
Most, why should that matter? The Gemara will deal with. Well, ultimately speaking, you're, you, you, but it's a but 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 you are crafting a utensil. I understand what your question, and, and, and we'll see similar issues in the Gemara. But at this point, uh, why should we, we question that? Ultimately speaking, it's a it's a usable utensil. And, and, and the final stage is, so to speak, even though you're not begufa dalar and the actual item doing something, but by taking that stuff out, you're effectuating the final stage, it's kemo asiat keli. So that's Tosafot's reading of this. I will have to think about those two opinions as we go along, but that's the first case here in the Mishnah. So again, the first case in the Mishnah is en pohatina taner mipene shehu ose keli. Second case in the Mishnah, ve'en osin pehamin biyom tob. Peham, like the last name Faham, is, uh, is charcoal. Uh, what does it mean you're not allowed to make charcoal? Charcoal utensils? Rashi. They are, the, 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 the charcoal. They're considered utensil. How's it a utensil? It's, it's charcoal. Uh, it's, uh, for those who harden gold, they use charcoal as, um, as a utensil in order to do so. So you want to harden it as you're crafting gold, something most of us, I imagine, are not fully involved with. Nonetheless, as Rashi, that's why by making the charcoal, you'll be finishing the stages in a utensil. So that's the next case in the Mishnah. Again, Jerry, we'll have to figure out the novelty on this case as well. Then, lastly, says the Mishnah, you're not allowed to cut the wick. What does that mean? If the wick was already made, what are you effectuating by cutting it? By cutting the wick, which will be used for the candles, you're effectively, and this is a, this is a controversial final case, the poskim at, at great length deal with this, what, what are you doing over here? You're creating another wick. It's already one wick, but by creating another one seems to be a problem. Or at the very least, it was a wick, it was one long wick, by cutting it, you're turning it into two. Number one, in its current state. Once you cut it, it's going No, 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 no. I have one long wick. I cut it in the middle. I used to cut it to split it. I thought it meant to split it. Split it. What's the difference? Because cutting it would mean to cut it off the cutting Ultimately speaking, it was not usable because it was too long or too thick, you're suggesting. And by cutting it, by splitting it, you're now making it two pieces usable. Uh, is this considered a keli? That's a hidush as well. This is considered a keli. Let me go a step further in terms of what's taking place over here and why the poskim are very keen on paying attention to this case. Remember what you're going to be doing. Now, when it came to the first utensil that we talked about, the vessel which will be used to put oil in it, all right, you've created a vessel. It's going to be a permanent vessel. The second case as well, the peham, the, the coal, that has many usages ahead of it. How many usages? One second. That's a good question as well. Rashid explains to us. Give me one second on that. But assuming it is a keli, which Rashid explains to us it is, we'll have to figure that one out as well. Let's understand the nature of this keli. It's a one-time usage keli. That's significant. You could have, and maybe would have, assumed that in order to craft something, it means something that's going to be durable, something that's going to be used down the line. The fact that the Mishnah is telling us that a petila is asura in terms of creating it, it's considered a keli to the extent that you have a makeb patish on that, uh, that's very significant. Any and every case needs to then be second-guessed and understood. For example, one of the cases that comes to mind where this type of issue comes up, when there are baby diapers and you open them for the first time, uh, leaving melechet tefirah and other matters out of that question for a moment, 
right? That poskim do debate about that initial opening. So they said about the initial opening because it was closed beforehand, but it's got one-time usage. It's gone, baby. It's gone in the garbage right after. Oh, they point to this case. You see the pitila? No, don't, don't go. No, please don't, uh, don't, don't, don't have. Would like to keep the children uh, still safe and, and clean. But, but what, what I can tell you is this is one of the initial debates and conversations with regards to that. So again, ve'en hotchina ta pitila. Eli asked on pitila. Rashi writes, u pitila na mekelihi hadlaka shetzirikha asiyah v'tikun. It's considered a keli. That's the hidush over here. And you need to do asiyah v'tikun. Interesting final words of Rashi as well. Asiyah means to make and tikun to structure, to put in place. The wick. The wick. In other words, you just ripped it alone and not necessarily in the Interesting, because you'll see the final words in this Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Chotcha Ba'ur. Rabbi Yehuda says you're allowed to split it, to cut it, but you need to do it with fire. Not it sounds other. as if not only utensil, but even hand is Asur in the initial case. Why would he distinguish? What's the difference between hand, utensil, and fire? Look at Rashi. Rashi knows we're questioning that. Bagimara mefaresh, maishena ur misakin. And the Gemara will question, why is fire any different than a utensil, like a knife, or by extension, a hand? Okay, so it means that we had three cases in our Mishnah with regards to this Melacha. Again, the Melacha of Makeh Patish. We'll start with the first one tomorrow, and the initial stages of the Gemara will bring us briefly into the domain of Asiat Kelim with regards to Tuman Tahara. When we talk about a Keli utensil, talk not only about Mukseh, not only about Melachot on Shabbat, but as well about susceptibility to Tuman Tahara, as we'll see tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen, amen. Bihanam Shemar Asa Kadosh Baruch Hu Sakoi Sel Fichach.